Hello and welcome to this Hematuria podcast for the School of Surgery. My name is Philly Horner, one of the F1 doctors at Royal Derby Hospital, and I'm here with Simon Williams, one of the urology consultants at Royal Derby. Hello. We're going to talk today about the causes of hematuria, red flag symptoms in hematuria, and management of different possible presentations. Hello, Mr. Williams. Hello. So could you first talk us through categorization of hematuria? I believe one possible way of doing this is macroscopic versus microscopic. Thank you. We tend not to talk about macroscopic and microscopic hematuria anymore. We tend to use the terms visible and non-visible as they're less confusing. Similarly, we don't tend to talk about painless and non-painless. We talk about symptomatic and non-symptomatic hematuria. Okay, great. Thank you. So what would you say are the main causes of hematuria? Any disease affecting the renal tract can cause visible hematuria. The ones that we're most interested in are the malignant causes, so cancers of the kidney, renal cell carcinoma, and transitional cell carcinoma of the upper tracts. Transitional cell carcinoma of the bladder and other bladder cancers such as squamous cell and adenocarcinoma. Prostate cancer can cause visible hematuria, as can cancers affecting the penis, penile cancers. And then sometimes uh, women think that they've got blood in their urine and in fact they've got vaginal bleeding from cervical cancers, endometrial cancers and so forth. As well as the malignant causes, you've got benign causes which could still be significant renal stones, renal abnormalities, significant urinary tract infections. Okay, great. Are there any other causes um, to look out for other than infection and cancer? Yes, there are the nephrological causes of hematuria. This tends to be non-visible hematuria, but some of the inflammatory conditions which could lead on to renal failure can present with non-visible hematuria. Okay, could you give a couple of examples of those, please? Perhaps I'm not the best person to ask, but things like IgA nephropathy classically cause non-visible hematuria. Okay, great. Thank you very much. So when you're taking a history from a patient presenting with new hematuria, are there any questions you can ask to differentiate between possible sites of bleeding? So the first question that I would ask is uh, around the degree of hematuria, the chances of finding malignancy increase with the amount of blood in the urine. So if someone has got non-visible hematuria, the risks of having a malignancy are very, very small. Going up to someone passing clots, it's relatively high. The next question would relate to the type of bleeding. If someone has got clots in their urine and they look like little worms, so-called vermicular clots, then that is classic of upper tract bleeding with the clots forming within the ureter. The next question would be related to any other symptoms. So if someone's got pain in their left loin, they could be producing clots from their left kidney and having what's called colic. On the other end of the spectrum, if they've got frequency, dysuria, urgency and symptoms suggestive of a urinary tract infection, then they're much less likely to have a malignancy. Okay, great. So that clarifies that then. So pain is more likely to be associated with benign causes rather than malignant causes. Bladder pain is pain suggestive of a urinary tract infection. Pain in the loin uh, in keeping with a stone could easily be a stone, but as I've said previously, it could be a bleeding renal malignancy. Okay, thank you. So how might microscopic or, as you said with the new terminology, non-visible hematuria first be picked up? 
it could be picked up in two ways. Firstly, someone goes to their, their, their general practitioner with urinary tract symptoms, uh, suggestive of, of an infection, and the urine is dipped. On the whole, these patients would not be referred up to secondary care. But the teaching for, to general practitioners is that they should retest the urine after six weeks or so. And on occasions, the non-visible hematuria will linger on. And if someone has three if they're tested three times on each occasion they have non-visible hematuria on a dipstick, then we would see those patients if they're over the age of 60. And if a patient has visible hematuria that comes and goes, is that still significant? Yes, it is. Visible hematuria, bleeding kidney tumours, bleeding bladder tumours, the bleeding is often intermittent, sometimes brought on by mild trauma, and they, they should all be investigated. Okay, great. And would that be using a two-week wait referral pathway? The new regulations suggest that we should only be using the two-week wait pathway for patients over the age of 45. I personally think that anyone with unexplained visible hematuria should be referred urgently. Okay, thank you. And when patients present to you with hematuria, what examination would you consider to be absolutely imperative? Clinical examination um, of the abdomen general examination, their blood pressure. If someone's bleeding, you've got to make sure they're hemodynamically stable. So blood pressure, pulse, all of the, the standard things that you'd always do when you met a patient. Abdominal examination is often not helpful. Rectal examination on a man feeling his prostate, a vaginal examination on a woman to examine for cervical or other gynecological malignancies. But realistically, most of these patients I will meet for the first time when they've already had either an ultrasound scan or more commonly now a CT scan. Okay, great. And that's more useful than clinical examination, would you say, in a lot of cases? Clinical examination is always important, but CT scans will always give more information. Okay, thank you. So what other red flag features in a history which warrant further investigation beside visible hematuria? All patients with visible hematuria will have some investigation, whether that's just an ultrasound or plain film in a very young person. But things that really worry me are other symptoms of malignancy, things like weight loss, bone pain, generally going down, patients who are generally going downhill. Okay, so general systemic features that suggest malignancy. Yes. Okay, so you've already mentioned CT scans. What would be a workup for a patient with new hematuria? So first of all, apart from history and examination, simple investigations, dipping the urine, looking for infections, blood tests, they, they're bleeding, so I'd want to uh, have see a full blood count. And all of these patients will need a renal function checked because they're going to have a CT scan, if, if nothing else. If there's any suspicion of, uh, of infection, their urine will go off for culture. And for men, they'll have a, a PSA test, though the PSA is often mildly elevated when there is blood in the urine. Investigations, traditionally, when I started as a consultant, patients would have an intravenous urogram. But now we rely more and more on a CT scan with contrast, uh, often in delayed phase as well, looking for transitional cell carcinomas of the ureter and renal pelvis, as well as renal cell carcinomas, as, as well as the investigation of all patients, all patients over the age of 40 will have a cystoscopy, normally awake, and all of these investigations would be done as part of a one-stop visit. So 
Talking about primary care and haematuria, what approach would you recommend GPs take to haematuria and how could they better assess who needs referral and who doesn't? I think GPs often rely on the history and if someone has got symptoms of a urinary tract infection with visible haematuria, they will treat them with antibiotics and not necessarily refer them. I personally think that anyone over the age of 40 with visible haematuria should be referred regardless of symptoms of a urinary tract infection. With young people, if they have got symptoms of a urinary tract infection, it, it is mandatory that they, their urine is dipped after the infection has settled to ensure that blood has, has gone. And are there any guidelines that you would advise GPs to consult when they're thinking about urological referrals? The, there were some guidelines produced some time ago, which were produced by my organisation, BAS, the British Association of Urological Surgeons, in association with the Renal Association. And these guidelines are, are centre on who should be referred and who shouldn't necessarily be referred. Now, I think the guidelines have subtly changed and NICE have pushed up the age at which non-visible hematuria should be referred. But I think that, that's a small print. Essentially, people younger than the age of between 40 to 60 with asymptomatic non-visible hematuria require a nephrological workup with serum creatinine, urine protein to creatinine ratio and uh, a blood pressure check. Okay. These patients, and that should be repeated on an annual basis because, as we said previously, a few of these patients will have things like IgA nephropathy, and if they start to develop proteinuria, they should be referred to a nephrologist. Okay, so that's more likely to be managed medically then, rather yes. than with yourselves. And finally, then, just talking about management, um, we've mainly talked about infections, which we know can usually be managed in a community setting, but if patients are found to have a malignancy. What sort of approach would you take to deciding their management plan? One of the, the joys about being a urologist is that we have a very, very varied case selection. So with the urological malignancy, it could be anything from a small renal uh, cancer to bladder cancer, prostate cancer. So each patient is treated very much as an individual. OK, thank you. And... Are there scope for chemotherapy, radiotherapy and surgery with these malignancies, depending on the patient? Yes. So kidney cancers, in the absence of metastatic disease, kidney cancers are treated surgically, as are apotransitional cell cancers. Most bladder cancers are superficial and are treated with endoscopic surgery, though invasive cancers of the bladder are treated with either removal of the bladder or radical radiotherapy. Prostate cancers are treated in all sorts of ways, depending on the age and fitness of the patient and the um, stage and grade of the cancer. Fantastic. Thank you. So what would be your three top tips for trainees in terms of things to look out for in diagnosing and managing haematuria? In summary with haematuria, it is a urological malignancy until proven otherwise. I would have a very low threshold to refer any patient with haematuria to a urologist. The NICE guidelines suggest that patients under the age of 60 with non-visible haematuria do not need to be referred up as a two-week wait, and patients under the age of 45 with visible haematuria shouldn't be sent up as a two-week wait. However, urologists would always be very happy to see these patients as urgent. Thank you very much, Mr. Williams. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another podcast brought to you by School of Surgery. 
Remember you can follow us on Facebook at School of Surgery, on iTunes, on Podomatic at schoolofsurgery.podomatic.com and finally by searching School of Surgery on YouTube. Thank you very much and see you next time.